0: Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intricasso. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a BOLA rating on iTunes because it helps us a bunch. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about the unofficial Witch Hunter class created by Matt Mercer of Critical Role, and we're talking about Vin Diesel playing D&D in general. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question, who's your dream celebrity
1: to play a game of D&D with? Rudy Basso, let's start with you. You know, for me, when I'm at the table, one of the most one of the things I look forward to the most is the laughs. You know, all the fun that that I have with everyone. So I would invite a comedian on. Um, there's someone; his name is Ben Schwartz. He was John Ralphio on Parks and Recreation. Yes. This guy can read the phone book, and it will be hilarious to me. I think he's one of the funniest people on the planet. So he would definitely be my choice because it would just be so entertaining.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, he's really funny. And if you haven't seen parks and rec or you haven't seen him on parks and rec you should definitely check it out uh topher cohen who is your dream celebrity to play a game of D D with
2: this was really tough for me i um you know i went with the easy ones first you know colbert which we know he plays and he'd be fun but i think i settled on the person i would want to sit down at the table and really have it happen is mark hamill
0: mark hamill
2: so first of all, I love the role playing. So the voices are great. He'd be fantastic. And I think that he would be fun at the table and he would get into the character and want to do well. And that's what I look for when you think about celebrity. And I think it'd be a ton of fun.
0: Of course, with us is Wade Kemper. He has gotten out of the basket. Wade, who is your dream celebrity to play a game of D&D with?
3: I talked to a bunch of my friends and I asked my wife and she thought uh, Chris Pratt would be fun to play with. Oh, yeah. um, he seems like a, a fun guy, even in interviews. I've always said that the celebrity I most want to hang out and do anything with is Hugh Jackman. So I'm going to hold to Hugh Jackman. Uh, If he doesn't know how to play, I'll teach him. And he and I will be lifelong buddies. He just seems like a cool guy. Like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Has done musicals, you know, good character work. And he's a badass with Wolverine. And he's done romantic comedies and stuff. So he just seems like a fun guy to hang out with.
0: Critical Role, Critical Role is a lovely show that you can watch live on geekandsundry.com. Geek and Sundry, of course, Felicia Day's. YouTube channel, which was then uh, purchased by Legendary. Uh, All kinds of great stuff. Probably one of the most popular things known to our listeners would be Will Wheaton's show Tabletop uh, and Titan's Grave, the sort of spinoff he did of Tabletop. But anyway, Critical Role brings a lot of people from Geek and Sundry and some people from The Nerdist, who is also owned by Legendary, together to play D&D. And they had... To promote the Witch Hunter movie, Vin Diesel Come On, and Matt Mercer created this Witch Hunter class. Now, there's all sorts of homebrew stuff out there on the internet, but this class has gotten a lot of attention. Matt Mercer is a very good DM. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's a voiceover actor. I would say if you haven't been able to get into live play stuff, uh, Critical Role is one of the great places to start. There's a couple podcasts out there, like The Adventure Zone, that I would recommend as well. But anyway, I want to start by talking about this witch hunter class. And let's dig in. And I think Matt Mercer admitted he was like, hey, this is homebrew. It hasn't been play tested thoroughly. Obviously, it's not going to be perfectly balanced, uh, but you know, it, it was cool to check it out and to see this class. He made all 20 levels of it. There are, you know, subclass archetype options. Um, he really Went the extra mile, fleshed this thing out. Looks like there's art for it. It looks like it's torn from the pages of the player's handbook as far as layout and art and everything goes. But anyway, let's talk about the class overall. Kind of what was your general impression before we dive into the details? And uh, let's start with you, Topher. What is your general impression of this Witch Hunter class?
2: Um, I liked it a lot. I, I liked the, the, the feel of it. I think you're right. I think that there needs to be more playtesting. When you read through it, there are some obvious things I think could be OP'd. But I think it's good. It's fun. It's one of the better homebrew stuff I've seen out there. I mean, not of course for the stuff on World, World Brothers blog. That's the best stuff out there ever.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> talk about not playtested extensively. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but I was really impressed with, um, with the work you put into it. I mean, Obviously, for the, for the, for the play that Vin Diesel did, he didn't need to go into this depth. He didn't need to do all 20 levels. He didn't need to go this, you know, he basically needed to create one character. And this is great. I, I like it a lot. I would love for this to get play tested out and maybe like to see Wizard take a, Wizards take a, a different tact and maybe put this in an, an, an Earth Arcana and get it, get it more, more play tested.
0: Yeah, 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 it would be cool to uh to see wizards get on board and and take something like this. Obviously, it's a very focused class. That was also kind of created to help promote the movie as well. Um, so, you know, it's maybe not as general as your your fighters and that kind of thing. And, uh, it seems to be sort of a mage slaying slash undead, uh, creepy, crawly, you know, uh, slaying class.
2: So, guys, um, as, as uh, some of you guys know, I didn't play third edition at all. Was there a, uh, a witch hunter or some sort of class like that in previous edition of D&D? Or is this something that's completely made up? Uh,
1: I don't even, I don't think he played three or third even. I think it was from a splat book from like AD&D or something like that. I don't know.
2: I yeah. know that,
0: yeah.
1: I think it was third-party stuff.
0: Yeah, in third edition, uh, Topher referenced uh, in the last podcast you and I did together the list of prestige classes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there was a witch hunter in the Oriental Adventures third edition. All right, right
2: on. Right uh, I, I know, that, I know that Vin is... Um, very connected
0: to this character and diesel
2: is it's you know tattooed on his chest literally the character's name and he talks about it in if the 30th anniversary book for wizard of the coast for D and D. he wrote the intro and talks about you know his witch hunter character and the and the general rumor is is that the movie is roughly based on his thoughts about his character so
0: yeah that's I, he said as much in the interview of course he may have played Instead, the Witch Slayer prestige class from the Tome of Magic, which is different than the Witch Hunter from Oriental Adventure. <laughs> and we turn now to Rudy Basso. Rudy, let's get your overall opinion of this class. Uh, you and I talked a little bit before this podcast. I believe
1: you feel differently. I'm not so wild about it. I think there's a lot of balance issues, which, you know, as Topher noted, once you play test it, it kind of work itself out. But I especially think towards the end game, uh, his kind of special abilities at 18th level are very, like, compared to some of the fighter or any of the other core classes, they're very underpowered. I can see a lot borrowing, too, from uh, the Witcher. You know, he gets these special potions that he makes, and I see some Dragon Age influence where you have to drink a special potion to become a witch hunter. And, uh, I, I, you know, but you know that can all be kind of squished out and, and figured out. The big thing I had is that it seems more like a background than a class. I mean, when you make decisions as a witch hunter, you're not really thinking, okay, what is my character's history? What is my character's background? You're thinking, okay, I'm a witch hunter. My job is to kill monsters. So that should be my underlying motivation for most of the things I do. It probably makes for a difficult person to play with in terms of, you know, Wanting to cooperate and work with a party. I know there's a nice little section about how a witch hunter needs friends to to keep them honest. But if you're playing a low monster, low magic campaign, then this class doesn't really fit just because of all of the flavor that comes with it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can really separate that. It seems to be super important to it. Yeah, it's just it's different than than some of the core classes we'd see.
0: There do seem to be some weird, swingy things, right? That are that are a little
1: underpowered, and then there are some things that maybe seem a little yeah. The whole mutagen path is really, really neat, but I like to to have this really negative side effect until level fifteen means mm-hmm. that it, it it's going to be weighing you down significantly. I mean, some of this stuff is crazy. Resistance is lasting, but then vulnerability to bludgeoning or yeah it's just um it needs <laughs> it needs some some balancing i think yeah but it's an awesome first draft
0: it is it is and it's a lot of work that uh, that matt mercer put into this so it's you know again can't deny the incredible amount of work that has gone into this uh wade what do you think what's your opinion overall we got one pro one con
3: uh i'm gonna Go with tentative pro. I'm hoping to play this guy from uh, level one starting in January. Uh, I've been trying to ask my the next DM who's taking over is going to take us through um Rage of Demons. Is that the is that what the big path is called? Is it Rage of Demons?
0: uh The Out of the Abyss. Yes, Adventure. that's the one. Yeah,
3: and that starts at level one. So I asked him if I could bring this guy in, and uh, just because I was kind of smitten with it, but I don't know how it plays. I haven't. I haven't even made one up as a as a rough draft my of my own character. But what I like about it is it kind of, it kind of gives me that play of a, um, almost like a corrupted ranger, mm-hmm. almost like the warlock version of the wizard is sort of this, like if it was an analogy, warlock is to wizard as witch hunter is to ranger, right. you know, like they get, it's the same kind of idea. Like they have a uh, a, a quarry that they're, they're pursuing, but instead of, you know, Going through leaves and branches to find it. This guy's, you know, slugging a, a gallon of this, this goo that he concocted, or he's you know, making his sword flaming and stuff. Uh, mechanically, um, I don't know if we're talking about the uh, the different versions of the witch hunter yet, but I have some of mine. Like the the mutant one is cool. the The ghost Ghost Slayer seems a little lame. Uh, it's basically, <laughs> it takes the, the regular stuff the witch hunter does and says. Oh yeah, there's also radiant damage. And the other one, the, the warlock one, just seems like they give it some warlock spells, doesn't really seem to do much. I think the one that is most capturing my imagination is the, um, the mutant one. So that's probably, probably the one I'll go with. And I can, I can give a report in a couple months to tell you how it is. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the one that's so different than anything that's out there. Um, hopefully it doesn't come across as too scripted, like I'm not really even a character, I'm just basically a pharmacy and that I can do something that makes it more of a, a personality than that I just don't I don't know how well this would play out through 10 or 12 or 15 levels. I think it'd be fun for a one shot, uh, but I'm going in pretty much full blast at level one so I'll let you know how it come you know how it turns out in a couple months.
0: Uh, Rudy, what do you think? What of these three paths which one is your favorite and which one's uh, is your least favorite and why? I know you touched on the the mutant path a little bit.
1: No, I, I know I, I said that I think the mutant needs bouncing, but I think it is definitely the most unique and definitely not something we've seen before. You know, some sort of person who's just constantly drinking all these weird potiony things is really cool. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, it helps that you can kind of move around which mutagens you want. I mean, that's the thing is you just don't want to be locked into using the same three over and over again because there's so many cool ones. It's kind of similar to maneuvers with fighters. The warlock magic one is it feels like the fighter using magic or the rogue using magic it just doesn't seem very interesting to me yeah the ghost like that's that i guess that's my issue with this character is i i don't know quite where he fits into the fight because with mutagens, i could see you being a frontline fighter with the other ones you're kind of in the back but you don't have a lot of health because you're only a d8 mm-hmm. i don't i don't yeah i'm just i'm not i'm not sure Actually, I have a question, a
3: general question. If you look at Hardened Soul here for the, the Witch Hunter, uh, reaching 14th level, you're no longer frightened and you advantage on saving throws. I notice a lot of characters that get immunity to fear and charm and effects like that, it's a pretty high level. Is it really that big of a deal to become frightened and charmed? I find that that's not really that great of a carrot dangling at 14th level. I mean, that's pretty high. <laughs> charm effects
0: include, like, domination and stuff. Um, okay, so
3: that's a little better.
0: Yeah, so that's, you know, charm effects has has expanded
3: since yeah.
0: the, the, those days, so I think Domination. Um, and uh, I'll let Topher answer the question about fear based on his experience with the Tarask and Tiamat.
2: Yeah, so I'll take that at any level <laughs> if
0: I'm fighting the or Tiamat. Uh,
2: no, I think you're right. I think that having run some lower-level adventures that have creatures that, you know, invoke fear, getting that sooner than 14th, I think is, especially for this kind of character. It seems like flavor-wise, the hardened soul would come sooner, like somewhere around seven. I would think. I
3: I guess with me, it's just, you know, especially the frightened effect, you can make the save every round, so it's never completely debilitating like it was in 1st and 2nd edition. I mean, that's that's a larger issue that bugs me, but I would have thought something cooler would have showed up at 14th level, you know, instead of, here's two possible effects that you can probably save out of anyway, but we're going to make you not have to roll those saves. You know, I don't
0: know. Topher, what do you think? What are your favorite, uh, what's your favorite, you know, archetype from this class and what's your least favorite?
3: I,
2: I like the Ghost Slayer. That seems like the most, if I was playing it, that's the way I would think of this class. I, I like, that gets a cleansing right at third. It seems like you can deal a little more damage. The Howl of Ruins at 10th, you know, kind of really plays well. And Gravesite, I don't know if it's going to help you in combat or anything, but from a role-playing point of view, uh, I think it would be the right thing to do. I like everything about it. I, you know, the Order of the Profane Soul, I guess, is my least favorite.
0: <laughs> seems to be everybody's least favorite. Uh,
2: and, you know, for basically the reasons everybody else said, it just seems like you're a walking hypothecary. You know, it's just, you know, that's not bad if that's what you want to do. If that's what you want to play and that's your thing, I'm not, not, not boohooing it. But I think for this character and the way it's, you know, the way it's been presented to us, quote unquote,
0: I think for me, I would want to do the Ghost Slayer. So what do we think about the uh you know the core class abilities right there's a There's a couple of cool things in here. You get primal rights or esoteric rights. Um, you know you obviously get the extra attack uh, that every class seems to get at fifth level who is you know uh fightery based. Um you know you've get these runes, dark velocity, hardened soul, enduring form, sanguine mastery uh you know what do you guys think of these kind of core abilities that the witch hunter gets
1: uh the level seventeen has no mechanical value whatsoever it's a really, really cool flavor thing. you don't age anymore. whoa <laughs> that's neat. But that doesn't mean anything whatsoever in a fight. Um, I like the Rune of Binding as I, – I, I don't quite understand the reasoning behind that one that you can – like, why does the witch hunter have a thing that can hold a person? Does it describe exactly what it I, is? I would assume some of these things are, you
0: know, are based in the movie. <laughs>
1: Um, oh, I would okay. Guess. So
0: so that might be something he can do in the film. I have not seen Just, like,
1: freeze people. And that's, like, a controller thing, too. That's a very controller kind mm-hmm. of move. Sure, sure. Which, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's enough abilities, and I don't think the ones that there are are good enough. Yeah. To honest.
0: yeah, I mean, there, certainly there are people. I think the monk, right, gets a, a timeless body thing and the druid ages slowly. Not all your I abilities. Think, actually, record. yeah, I
1: think in the trailer of The Witch Hunter, he definitely talks about being like a thousand years old or yeah, something. Yeah, because he's, like he's
0: now in modern times. Like, that's Yeah, yeah. Time. Okay. Um,
1: okay. <laughs> but I,
0: you know, I, I hear definitely what's your saying obviously not every class every ability they have those abilities that don't um yeah. help you in in combat or whatever but this i think you're right it doesn't seem to help you in like anything other than flavor wise right like it doesn't necessarily help you as far as interaction or exploration goes either
3: starting at the beginning with um specifically the blood right thing i personally dig the idea of having to make some kind of a sacrifice to gain something so the idea that you're wounding yourself. I mean, you don't attack yourself, but you're basically, what are you, uh, deducting your maximum hit points for a period of time?
2: Yeah. Um, uh, hit I points equal to your level.
3: Dude. Yeah. And that, I mean, at first early level. Actually, I guess it scales pretty decently. But I, thematically, I think it's really cool. You're you're cutting into yourself to, and I'm sure that's definitely part of the film. Um, and then, you know, you get the right of the Flame or the Frozen of the Storm. And that that's kind of neat. Um, I, I looked at the rune, uh, of binding and yeah, it, it's clear what it does, but it doesn't really give you a sense of why that happens and, you know, why a witch hunter would have that. Um, and then I was hoping that the enduring form that Rudy was talking about with the, uh, with the aging would, uh, at least help you in a fight against ghosts. But no, it doesn't matter if it's magical aging, (laughs) it's still just normal aging. Um, (laughs) so, you know, you never collect social security, I guess, is the. (laughs) <laughs> you don't you don't burden your government that's your special ability <laughs> uh so yeah i'm gonna say i'm a little little less than uh impressed by these in general, so maybe I won't play this guy after all <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean I have to say i I do think the not aging thing is super super cool, but it yeah. uh you know and it it is even super powerful in a way right i think it's one of those things uh, again cuz the monk gets this ability too it's kind of like it's super powerful only if the rest of your party has it and you can right. like travel through time a 100 you know like yeah, for 100 yeah. years you guys all like it, you know you're how much do you age in a campaign right yeah, exactly <laughs> Ex- yeah exactly it's the same thing as saying my character has green ears uh, <laughs> it's almost a cosmetic uh thing you know especially if it it you don't get anything from it uh, Topher, what do you think of these core uh kind of abilities here
2: well so the more I read into this and the more I hear you guys talk I think Rudy's, <laughs> I think Rudy's right no I think that there's a lot of cool uh, of these of these other powers they're cool but i think they're kind of situational my my overall problem with these powers is they don't give what i feel is this witch hunter a distinctive role uh and maybe that's maybe i'm just not good enough at D or something i don't know but it just feels like to me that <laughs> that they are the the powers they give him um the other stuff the sanguination mastery the enduring form the 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 second attack the binding ritual all that stuff is very cool the you know not able to age and all that kind of stuff are very cool in their own and they're great but they seem like to me that they don't help define him or her as a what role they play you know he says in that in his when he little blurb on the page where you find the pdf that it's not a it's a second line fighter it's not a tank it's and I could see that completely you know you want a good ranged weapon along with a um uh, some sort of sword to go along with it. But I think that, you know, you know, dark velocity upon reaching 11th level, use shadows around you to better navigate the battlefield unharmed. All attacks of opportunity are made against you have disadvantage. That's not such a big deal in fifth edition. Like it wasn't fourth. If this was fourth, that would be a huge power to have. But you know, when you can run around the dude in fifth and not, you know, not, you know, have that proc on you. I don't know how big of a deal that is. I just, I don't know. I think, you know, I'm actually looking forward to it being playtested and somebody playing it. I think on paper it looks like it it doesn't add enough to the class.
0: This character was designed on the star of a movie. And typically when a movie has a star, um, particularly a fantastical movie, that star is able to do everything, right? They can fight. They can cast spells. uh, They can sneak they are awesome explorers. Uh, they don't age. <laughs> um, and I think Matt Mercer has done a great job of crafting a class that catches the flavor of that. But I think the problem is that D&D isn't built to craft a character that can do everything really well, right? If you craft a character that does everything, they're not the best at anything. But they can do everything. You were
2: dead on. That's exactly what I was thinking. I just didn't say it that way. I think you're right. I think he de- he developed and Rudy's. You're right. He's the man. He developed a class that plays like the character in the movie is perceived. And you know, who knows how that you know translates over the to tab- real tabletop D anD. d
0: Yeah, and I will say uh, it definitely looked like uh, this class was a lot of fun to play. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it seemed like everybody on the podcast clearly had a great time. They're clearly not people who necessarily care about uh, balance of the game and that kind. Of thing. They just want to play a game and have a great time, right?
3: How many of you guys would have been impressed with this if it had come out with a black and white document uh, that looked like a playtest document? Because I tell you what, I I was definitely pulled in by the art and the style and the graphic design, and part of me was into believing that this was, you know, official. And so I think I probably gave it a little more leeway than it may have deserved and was more attentive to it than it may have deserved just because it looks so eye catching, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pulled right out of the fifth edition book. And I mean, they got everything right. And I'm wondering if I may have, you know, that may have blinded me to some of the more critical looks I could have taken at it. But I was just wondering if anybody else had thought of it that way of, you know, almost being fooled by the eye candy. Or pulled into it, <laughs> uh, you know.
0: I think. I think for me, it's certainly this is a step above anything you would find in Unearthed Arcana. It's way more fleshed out. Uh, art and layout aside, it's way more fleshed out. Um, I think it's got some great story ideas behind it. I think they've already nailed some flavor things with it. Uh, I think what's hard is is the is really trying to capture this this main character. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh,
1: no, I don't think this is any better than like the Rangers that came out Ooh. recently. Mm-hmm. I think those are much more well developed and uh, more fitting. Yeah, like I said, I I don't like that it clashes so much with backgrounds.
2: Uh, I I agree a little. I agree with both Wade and Rudy on this. I think that Rudy's right. The class that we saw in the Ranger was a better class, but I think I was sucked in and wanted to perceive this as a more fleshed out class because of the layout and the professionalism of it it looking, unlike the plain text documents that we get from Under the Arcana. If this was the plain text document, I would see this much more as a playtest item and less of a table-ready item. And because of the layout, for good or bad, and the layout looks fantastic, Mm -hmm. I think I I perceive it more as a table-ready item. So I think I'm personally being a little harder on it because of that perception.
0: Uh, that may be true, too, that uh, it, it swings the other way, right? <laughs> uh, that you see something and you think, like, well, you've put all this art and time into it. Why is this, <laughs> you know, a complete product? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think Matt Mercer is the first to say, like... You know, uh, he was like, I made it for this and I'm releasing it because people have asked me to. I know it's not completely balanced, but here it is. And look, I made all these archetypes and everything. I'm impressed. I am. If somebody brought this to me, I'd be like, I am certainly impressed. And I think it's even at a point where it's like, you know, we're we're being critical, but we are also saying we'd love to see it in play. So that's great that he's already at a point where people want to play it and, uh, and go from there. So uh, I'm excited to, to see where this goes. Wade, if you do end up playing it, I'd love to hear more about it. Uh, yeah. T- Topher, you know, certainly, uh, if you end up playing it, and I will encourage uh, my own players, perhaps the indomitable Alex Basso will take this on, uh, and I will see if he can break it. Let's talk about Critical Role, specifically uh, this episode for a little bit. A lot of clips were of this were flying around what do you guys think of him like actually sitting down playing D&D in the first time for what seemed like many, many years based on his reaction? Uh, did you guys have a ball watching this? I definitely had a ball watching it.
2: So this is the first time I've watched the show, right? I had not seen the, the show on Keegan Sundry, which now I'm definitely going to go back. I love the production value. I think it was great. And I think that then... Vin- fit into with the rest of the players really well. He didn't try to steal focus. He didn't try to make himself the star. He sat at a table and played D D with some people. And I I liked that. I liked it a lot. I thought that he played the character well. It was fun to watch. It was an enjoyable 30 minutes that I had. And I think that it is a great from someone who, you know, spends a lot of time promoting this game to organized play. I think this is something that is really going could help promote this hobby to people who are who have heard of it or are geeks and know about it, but don't really know what it's about, and people who are just Vin Diesel fans and come across this. I think, I think all in all, it's a win. And I, you know, I know there was some, some I've heard some people out there in the net have some complaints with it, and I'm not saying those complaints are not valid, but I'm saying that all in all, I think this was a big win, and I enjoyed watching it, and I, yeah, I, I highly recommend people watch it.
0: Uh, uh, what do you think about this,
3: Wade? I enjoyed it, too. Um, as, as far as Vin Diesel himself, it, it was really cool to see him. You could, you could tell in his eyes he wasn't quite sure if this is the game he exactly remembered. <laughs> uh, he, he was he was looking at his character sheet a few times. But, yeah, I, I thought the camera would be on him the whole time that uh, whether his his publicist or himself would have said, hey, this is my show. I'm doing this for 30 minutes. Keep the camera on me none of that happened. He was definitely a, a cog in, in the larger mechanism. Um, if anything, the, the camera was on Matt Mercer so much because he was the DM, but the, the the producers of the show knew what their show was and that Vin Diesel was almost stepping into their world as opposed to them morphing their show for him. Even though if you listen to anything Matt Mercer said that Uh, he was originally going to run it for 45 minutes and then they told him he's got to do it in 20. And so he had to take a short adventure and make it even shorter. So they did do a lot of, you know, compromising for him, but he didn't seem cocky. If anything, he was looking for others for cues. And, you know, with the Fast and the Furious movies, Vin Diesel's about as big as it gets Mm -hmm. right now in Hollywood. Um, in fact, you know, some of his interviews for Fast and the Furious is he, he, Equate[s] it to d anD D campaign where you know there's different characters with, with very different specialties coming together for a quest or a purpose or something like that. So he's always making that connection. But I thought he he played himself as humble um, and very interested. I I was just you know it's a shame that they couldn't do a full two three hour session because I think he would have been more comfortable later on. Uh, he would have you know really jived with you know the pro because he, he was a little stilted, but. You know, the guy probably hasn't, honest to God, sat down and played in 15 years, you know? So it was cool. It was cool.
0: To see him in a light where he was unsure of himself like here's this dude whose arms are as big as my entire body practically um and uh and is always plays like a very cool confident character it was cool to see him be himself and feel like you know like he wanted to fit in like he was looking for acceptance um was was very very cool
1: yeah, I hate to hesitate to use this word to uh, to describe Vin Diesel, but I thought it was, like, cute. He was yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> um, like, well, when you jump in with any group that have played together, you feel a little bit like an outsider. And especially such a charismatic group that they're doing, like, really crazy voices and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of – to see him kind of, like, slowly you look for acceptance and kind of, you know, get back into the rules – it's nice to see that from him. But by the end, he's just like so pumped to do anything. And at one point he rolls a 20 and he's like, yeah, I know what that means in any edition. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of fun. And when he first did it, and this might've been last month, he posted an Instagram video of him afterwards. And he's just like so excited to have played it. And he keeps talking about how much fun he had. It's just, it's really cool for the medium, for the hobby to see someone who's, you know, tough big tough guy uh just like turn into a little kid again i hope this brings him back into it and that uh he gets serious about the dungeons and dragons movie because oh here's the thing if it's a dungeons and dragons movie with vin diesel i don't know if it's a dnd movie anymore so much as it's a vin diesel movie which can be a good thing or a bad thing i haven't seen the witch hunter but the critics don't really like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh We'll see. If anything, I hope he plays Dungeons & Dragons more because it's fun and we all like it.
3: You can play my game. <laughs> there you go. Open invite, Vin.
1: <laughs>
0: there you go, Vin Diesel. Open invite for Wade Kemper, who <laughs> can't be found anywhere on the internet. This is uh, true.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, well, you know, we want to know what everybody out there thinks. What do you guys think of the Witch Hunter class? Uh, did you enjoy it? Are you playing it? If you're out there and you're playing it, we want to know what your experiences are. Are you having a great time? What build are you playing? Tell us all about it. If not, we still want to know what you think. Hit us up over at the dot com in the show notes for this episode or at facebook.com slash the show. Guys, I think that's gonna do it for this week. It's sad. Another another round table gone. There's round table ninety three.
2: Wow. Are you doing something special. Are you doing something special for one hundred?
0: Uh I don't know. It's gonna depend on if there's a big news story we gotta cover or I need to fill it with uh
3: craziness. Isn't uh, isn't the round table turning a hundred the biggest news story? I think it is. <laughs> do do a retrospective and have everybody on.
1: Oh my god. Do a clip show.
3: Rudy Basso, where can people
0: find you?
1: Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. I have a podcast on this very network mm-hmm. about Dungeons & Dragons and video games in case you want something more specific. Uh, <laughs> so go ahead and listen to that. It's called d and It comes out monthly. Also, my brother and I, we know a lot about the video games. So we have a YouTube channel where we talk about them. Um, we talk about new ones. We talk about some hidden gems you might not be aware of. It's called Game O'Clock. What a great name. Why don't you uh, go ahead and check that out. Link in the show notes. Thanks.
0: Oh, yeah, and those will definitely be linked in the show notes. Rudy, if people want to play along with uh, the D&D VNG podcast, what game are you guys playing this month? Uh,
1: we're playing Sword Coast Legends. <laughs> <laughs> said with such enthusiasm
0: <laughs> yeah i would say go listen to the mini episode i'll link that in the show notes as well uh before yeah. you uh go ahead and decide to play along with rudy and friends uh tofer where can people find you
2: so they can also find me on the twitters at tofer A-T-L, atl and on the facebook at Topher Cohan, t-o-p-h-e-r k-o-h-n and um if you live in the metro atlanta area On Wednesday nights, I help organize and run D&D Encounters at Titans uh, Games and Comics in Smyrna, Georgia. So come on by and say hi to me there. I also am the Southeast Regional Coordinator for Wizards of the Coast Organized Play. So if you have any questions about Organized Play and you live in the Southeast, drop me a line and I can see what I can help you out with.
0: Nice. And Wade Kemper cannot be found on the Internet.
3: Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right everybody you can find me on twitter at james Intercaso. that's at j-a-m-e-s-i-n-t-r-o-c-a-s-o check out my blog it's all about exploration age the fifth edition world i'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me there's tons of free resources for your fifth edition games out there and it is probably way worse balanced than the witch hunter class uh okay everybody thanks for listening and thanks to topher rudy and wade special thanks to jeff greiner for letting us join the tome show lineup and thanks to sam dylan for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves our theme music which you're listening to right now was composed by eric michaels don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or d d Classics to help support the show. Hey, if you like the show, please rate The Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Round.